Hello and welcome to Living Being. I'm Patrick Randall. I'm Chris Park. This is the podcast where we talk about everything and anything to do with bees. And in this episode, we're going to be talking to Stefan Stangashu, who's from Romania, and um, he is uh, an expert in apitherapy. Um, Chris, um, he's your teacher, isn't he? Can you tell us, first of all, a bit about apitherapy and what it is, and then also uh, how you met Stefan and um, what you've kind of learned from Stefan? Yes, well, apitherapy is AP, is B, honeybee. And therapy is therapy. So it's, it's essentially everything that comes from a beehive and comes from bees, all the beehive products, including the bees themselves and the beehive air even. Wow. And how that can heal and cure and help and be therapy for, for people and animals and even and even plants. <laughs> so it's, it's like it's bees are so... Uh, everything that comes out of a beehive is just such good medicine and has been put... To great use. So they've spent millions, bees have spent millions of years, haven't they, developing these these cocktails of um, of, of health. Um, and uh, they're really alchemists, aren't they, in terms of what they do in the hive? Just amazing, yeah. The, I mean, their brood is open to the air inside the hive. So their eggs and the nymphs are developing open to the air. It would be like if uh, if a mammal had a a big open sort of window in, in the belly to see the, the fetus growing. You'd, into, you'd need to be in a really um, clean and uh, antimicrobial, antifungal place for that to happen. So bees have created that within their, the bee colony and within the beehive or the tree or wherever they are through royal jelly, pollen, propolis, honey and wax and all these, all these wonderful substances keeping yeah. that environment um, more clinically clean than a, than a surgeon's operating theatre. And I think, you know, before we were even human beings, uh, our animal ancestors have, have been benefiting from honey bee products and, of course, honey and perhaps even mead, you know, fallen into the well of a tree and fermented things. And, of course, the pollen and the, and the bee brood, you know, bears predate beehives and they're really after the brood because it's such good protein and they're surrounded by this brood food which is a mixture of pollen and royal jelly and nectar and it's just such nourishing and uh, medicinal medicinal things and and so uh, of course my one of my roots into beekeeping was through druidry and the druid is not just a kind of priest and a and a or, and a judge and a kind of um, ceremonial person they're also healers and, and doctors traditionally and physicians and and part of the drinking of mead and the use of honey and ceremony is, is about health and community and celebration so I was, I was looking towards uh, developing that that part of my practice and part of my lifestyle and I found that the British apitherapy societies that had been set up had kind of dissolved and I think people just went their separate ways and wanted to concentrate on their own on their own practices do you, do you think that also um, 
because it's not a considered to be mainstream um the the, the the these strands were not being taken seriously by the medical world that's highly likely that that's that would, might have been a contributing factor to the perhaps stress or pressure that people might have been felt and why it's a little bit under the radar in this country where you have to seek it out and search for it rather than it's readily available you know just in plain sight but you know but it's, it is happening you know there are very impeccable and and highly experienced apotherapists working within this country and, and of course a lot of people will be and beekeepers especially will be producing apotherapeutical products but it's rare to find an a, you know an, an apoth- a practicing apotherapist you know just within your your town and if you skip over to the continent and, and many other parts of the world, then it's, it's really well established. Yeah. And so, hence, so I, I went to, to Stefan, who seems to be Mr. Apitherapist. <laughs> <Mr. laughs> and he speaks, you know, four or five languages. And, and he's, you know, instrumental in sort of helping, you know, uh, other countries with therapeutical conferences and organisations and I think he's like the secretary of the International Federation of Apotherapists and things like that so he's you know he's dedicated his life to apotherapy and I'm really enjoying training with him I've been doing it for four or five years or something just plodding along slowly you know and uh, you know it, it is a lot of work and of course the more you give to it the more you get back from it and it's just a great I really enjoy the the format of how his courses work and I think it helps. I'm a beekeeper as well. And yeah, so it's good. At the moment, it's really good. Yeah, at the moment, it's really good for me, really good for my family and, you know, and friends. And at some point, I don't know, who knows, I might offer it to a, to the wider community or, or, or start to make more products and... Yeah, because we've heard we've heard of on it and things, but we've discussed a little bit, um, told people a bit about your apitherapy house, which you built, which is um, which yeah. which allows people to to lie on a uh, on a bed and um, and inhale the the, uh, the the smell of the hive. That's right. Yeah, beehive air has been a therapy since the nineteen eighties, a sort of a, a, a recognised therapy since the nineteen eighties. And it is again, you know, that air that comes out of the beehive is full of all these antimicrobial, antifungal, and um, negative ions, and and it's just, you know, beekeepers will will know this that when you're around bees, yeah, they just tend to relax you somehow. They they're so busy that they can take all the busyness out of you. Yeah, and and it feels mysterious and it feels magical and there's just something about that and and perhaps that is the contributing factor to that is the beehive air. Yeah. And the uh, the substances that are in it, and the the electrical charge of bees, and, and there's something about that. Certainly, the, certainly when you're at a hive, and there's this unmistakable sort of smell that, that you get, isn't it? And it's something that you can kind of imagine that if you had to give up beekeeping for any particular reason, that'd be one of the that'd be one of the the major things you'd miss. That that kind of it's so evocative, and I, and I think we're, yeah. you know, we've lost a lot of um, a lot of connection with um, with smells and what smells are meant to us as as uh, as human beings, both as warnings and and also stimuli, you know. So and and the beehive just reminds you that you know sense of smell and and inhaling these these this, this amazingly healthy um, air is just it's just got to be so good for us. 
Yeah, well said. And, and it's that instant emotional response to the kind of sweet and honeyed, and it's like a, it's like a euphoric feeling, isn't it? And, yeah. And that's exactly what you get when you when you lie down or sit down or you know read a book or whatever in, inside the the apitherapy house, is you get that instant sort of slightly spicy but sweet smell with honey and propolis and those things, and and it, the longer you spend in there, the more relaxed you become. And and then you can have there are face masks as well that you can have a sort of concentrated dose and, and actually at this time you know of of a respiratory pandemic it's the perfect medicine the perfect therapy it's so good for respiratory disorders for for asthma for COPD for for That's so right. many things I mean not not just those things but but that's a obviously you know it's a it's an air therapy so it's it's anti-inflammatory and it's yeah really really good stuff yeah i mean you touched there on on, on the covid19 thing and then what's been really interesting about both with about our interview with um with stefan coming up but also our chat with james fernley of um be vital uh what's coming out is this uh we are in a pandemic um there's a you know this awful virus which is hit us harder than anything you know living history um and and it's the bees products that's these products of the hive um propolis and and other products which are really coming to the fore so maybe maybe it is there is a turning point here you know for apitherapy and and maybe people will wake up and, and recognize us a bit better because it is a real um it's a real solution that's been around for thousands of years well i really hope so patrick you know there's a kind of cynical side of me sort of, you know, the little voice in the back of my head saying, you know, but you can't patent, you can't patent a honey, can you? You can't patent pollen, you can't patent propolis. I mean, pe- people have patented processes. So there's a, there's a wonderful, and again, a, a Romanian guy, uh, Nicolae Lescu, I think I've got his name right, but he he uh, patented a process to powder a drone brood into what's called apilarnil, so AP and then LAR for lava and NIL for his initials. So AP Larnil. And it's a bit like a it's a bit like a royal jelly for men. Right. <laughs> so that's how it's marketed in, in, in those countries anyway. And, and it's um but eating brood has been you know, is is, is a very old medicine. And apitherapy is, is is so ancient. But uh so people can patent synthesize bee venom as well. People you know, there's a there's a famous um project trying to create you know the melatonin or and, and other things but but uh yeah i think it's always been folk medicine that's, that's what i'm trying to say it's always been folk medicine yeah and and how can it become like uh i don't want to use the word industrial but how can it become wide-reaching well i guess it i guess it always was in ancient egypt and samaria and and celtic times you know when everybody had a beehive yeah, you know, because that's just what happened. You, you know, before we started outsourcing food, where did you get your honey? Well, you, you had bees in the garden, and so there's something about oh, something about insourcing medicine again. But that that balance we we have to strike in this modern era of of trusting someone else's business well, and and apitherapeutic products and seeing how uh, ethical they are and. But it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's it, trusting natural products, isn't it? As again, it's, it's it's taking ourselves back to um, to to uh, we live in a very scientific age, don't we? And I think we yeah. we need to take ourselves back 
um, to where to where we were, you know, pre-industrial times, um, where these things would have been sort of taken for granted, and uh, and and really realise that um, pharmaceutical solutions aren't possibly the um, the be all and end all. And there are, I mean, the, the, I think it's accompanied by a lot of other processes that that are taking place in mm-hmm. society that I I sense in some ways. I mean, maybe I'm living in a bubble, but <laughs> that they that that we're going back to local food. We're, we're more interested in where our local food is coming from. That we're more interested in where, in how um, animals are looked after, and uh, and lack of use of pesticide and things like that. And maybe this just channels into all that as well. Maybe it isn't mm-hmm. just just fighting for apitherapy that we're looking at, but fighting no, you no. know fighting for all these things that will bring yeah, us herbal back. medicine. Yeah, all herbal of these medicine, things. Yeah. I mean, the the law needs to change. I think you know there's a law. You can't say that uh, herbal medicine or uh, apitherapy is medicine even. You can't say that it will heal. You can't advertise that on the product uh, because that's against the law at the moment. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's crazy because it's been, it's been such a blessing and a medicine for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. But only in recent history are you not allowed to say that. And it's not just, they're not just prophylactic tactics and they're not just adjuvants and... and uh, complementary medicines that that actually uh medicines that can heal and cure in their own right you know and and it's so frustrating that in this country at this time you just can't say that and 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 i guess the cynical side of me just thinks oh because because people don't make money and people couldn't patent them and make enough money out of them i don't know and is is there competition in the in the pharmaceutical market i don't know yeah yeah but I, yeah, and I think I mean, we could talk about this for hours, can we? <laughs> um, but it's it, it 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 is it is a it is a dilemma. But thank goodness, um, people like Stefan uh, uh, and yourself, actually, Chris. But people like Stefan are at, at, the, at the forefront of this, and they're really pushing yeah. these these things to us. And, and it's just really interesting to listen to Stefan's interview. He's just uh, a, a, a hive of knowledge. Excuse the pun. And um, let's go over to um, listen to our interview with Stefan. Well, uh, welcome, Stefan. This is a really, really a real privilege to have you with us on Living Being. And you are, I mean, I know you through apitherapy, of course. You've had 29 years of clinical experience of apitherapy, and that is just amazing and and something you just don't find in the UK. And I've met you through your apitherapy course. I'm one of your students. I'm plodding along and enjoying every minute of it when I get spare time uh, to work with you. And your CV is just is just amazing too. You know, you began in the Navy and became an MD, a medical uh, doctor in the Navy. And then you, you kind of then left and started to study more kind of land based medical work. And, and then you became interested in apitherapy and, and you've like devoted your whole life to apitherapy and researching it and teaching it. And so thank you so much for being with us. And, uh, and and I look forward to, to learning some more over the next half an hour. Yes, thank you very much, Chris, for your nice words. Hi, Stefan. How did you um, how did you first become interested in bees? Okay, uh, so my first contact with the bees was uh, when I was very very young, <laughs> maybe four or five years old. I've got a bee sting in my foot sole, 
and it was very, very painful. <laughs> and my grandmother treated me with salt, just raw salt on, mm. on that uh, place. So it was a, let's say, painful start. But later on, when I was already medical doctor in the Navy, as Chris said, I've heard about beekeepers in Romania who were able to heal people with very difficult diseases. And uh, I was uh, at the time already specialized in acupuncture, open mind. And I said, okay, this is very interesting. Uh, if these people are beekeepers, they are not medical doctors and they can treat patients or heal patients which cannot be healed by medical doctors, <laughs> uh, it is something very interesting here. So I, I spoke with them, these two groups, and the second group uh, was uh, treating, and this was uh, absolutely amazing. They were healing a lady who was a singer, very famous singer in Romania. He got cancer in the larynx, and nobody could heal her, and she was healed by these uh, beekeepers. And uh, not only that, she recovered completely the voice and she restarted to sing. And this uh -huh. lady is still alive. It's over 30 years uh, since that uh, event. She's still alive. And she, this is amazing, just amazing. So I went to Bucharest. I went to, wanted to know where are the databases, the books, the experts, yeah, the specialists yeah. in this. And I learned everything I could one summer, a full summer, two days a week. And then I started to, to analyze all this data. And because I was already with acupuncture, with traditional Chinese medicine, then uh -huh. I started to order it according to the five elements theory, Wu Sing, the Yin and Yang, all these Chinese uh, uh, mnemo techniques. And um, uh, it went better and better and better. And when I started to give lectures in other countries, I continued to grow in uh, uh, knowledge. So I've got all this knowledge and I put it in this system and it works just amazing. It's, it's wonderful. And uh, nowadays there is scientific base. There are over mm -hmm. 50,000 studies. If you look carefully in the huge libraries like PubMed and so on and so on. And if you put words like propolis and you'll see 3,200 studies already now only for propolis. And, but if you go to the uh, substances which are present in propolis, for example, quercetin or cinnamic acid or caffeic acid phenethylester, then you'll find even more articles because these substances can be found in other natural products, other bee products, too, not only in propolis, can be also in pollen or in honey. So the, the, the data is huge now. And for me, as you said, after almost 30 years, the things are very clear. And uh, there are some golden rules uh, when you apply uh, the uh, bee products, but it works very, very nice. Great. And it's so, so well practiced in Romania, where you're from, and in Ukraine, in Russia, and China, of course. But in our neck of the woods, in the UK, uh, it's not. Uh, and do you have any wisdom on that? Is there any, do you, what, what do you think about that? Yes, it's, um, uh, no, in UK, there are a few people, uh, very good people. Uh, I know one, James Fernley. Yep. He's from ARC Foundation. So he wrote also books on propolis and he organized also an, a, ve a very good propolis conference for the dentists. Yeah, we actually, we so, actually interviewed him last week or the week before. Okay, yeah. <laughs> great, great. He's a great man. Yeah, yes. he is, yeah. Uh, 
Yes, and there are, there are a few uh, uh, people in UK who are doing beastings therapy or bivalent yeah, therapy, yeah. but mainly, mainly beastings therapy. But I believe they are a bit afraid to go more public and give more lectures and so on because of the pressure from, uh, I would say, pharma industry right. and from the classical uh, uh, government issues. <laughs> yeah. I do not want to enter into a polemic, but uh, the idea is that uh, the government is not helping really the development of complementary medicine. Sure. Yes, there are many legalities and with herbal medicine and, and, and most complementary medicines, you're right. And, but apiotherapy is such an old, old practice, isn't it? Going back through folk medicines, back to as far as we can remember, I guess. And as you've just pointed out, there's so much study and so much work and so many papers in recent history. And uh, that it seems, it just seems a bit backward of us here to not have it as part of the, as part of the table, you know, part of the, the choice that people can make or be given when, when, when we are suffering or ill and uh, so that's that's yes. a challenge in this country for apotherapy if you like you know you can you can google, yes. you can google it and the things you might see i don't know it's a bit like playing a musical instrument you know play the bagpipes and people you know always remember the the wrong the one wrong note that you played and not everything else that you did brilliantly and so if you google apotherapy you can see you know the one thing that comes up at you is that someone died uh, uh, not so long ago yeah. of bee venom therapy, you know, and that's, yeah. and that's the main headline that you see, but you don't see yes. all of the great work that, that, it's, that it's kind yes. of done. Yes, and, uh, yes. Uh, but, but there is hope, though. Um, uh, I'm thinking now uh, UK and all the Commonwealth countries. Yeah. If you look to Australia, to, to Canada, to New Zealand, there are, for example, very good uh, 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 papers, very good uh, work, research, on the use of honey against wounds. Yeah. And you know very well the, the model of Manuka honey. And then Australia is also coming very well. Yeah. So there are um, very, very good uh, advancement here on the treatment of wounds. But uh, by the way, relative to the pro honey and also about the propolis, one of the major threats the human beings are facing now yeah. is the development of super bugs, super bacteria. Right. You know, they, they, because of the wrong use of antibiotics, yeah. it, is, it was the same mistake like in agriculture, using one molecule, like one insecticide or yeah. one uh, antibiotic based on one molecule, uh -huh. all these bacteria or bugs develops resistance. So, but in case of honey and propolis, there is no such a thing as resistance yeah. because this is the beauty. Honey and propolis has hundreds of different antibacterial substances and they work through different mechanisms. So the bacteria or even the viruses, the fungus, the parasites, they cannot defend against this attack from multiple levels. So it's like but having a whole, a whole armory rather than just, you know, right. just one, it's one like, thing. Yeah. It's, Yes, like imagine a war, like the uh, United States made uh, the war in Iraq. Yeah. It's a bad example, but <laughs> let's think about this. Yeah. Uh, in, in the modern war, uh, the armies are using all weapons, yeah. submarines, airplanes, infantry, all, all these arms together, yeah. not only one, uh, only one weapon. So this is a huge mistake made by pharma industry, that they are continuing to use only one weapon, one substance against bacteria or viruses. Yeah, and, and, and I suppose... I have sympathy towards that when I think that they need to have a um, something that can be uh, have some continuity about it. So they, I guess, the thinking is that scientists they isolate something that they can control the 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 potency of it and all that kind of stuff, and then then it has a it has some 
some trust in that substance, if you like. Like, which, like some standard. Yes. Yeah, a standard. Mm -hmm. That's what I was looking for. Struggling to find that word. So yes, they're, they're creating yes. a standard that is repeatable over and over again, which is something that doesn't happen, I suppose, with uh, with something like propolis or pollen, because they have so many different sources. And even venom, you know, like a, a summer bee. Yes. The venom of a summer bee is more potent than a, than a winter bee, isn't it? Because it has more protein and things like that. Yes, but this is exactly this thing is the beauty and the efficacy. Yeah, this is the the, the thing like this. Uh, when they started to study propolis back in forty years ago, about yeah. they saw exactly as you say, Chris, that the composition of uh, propolis varies from year to year, yeah. and when they they collected the the substances which comes in propolis from poplars, poplar yeah. buds. Uh -huh. And they saw that uh, each tree from year to year changes the cocktail, which protects the buds. Ah, see. Uh, so, so it's a good and, thing. It's a really good thing because it means that the, that the resistance can't develop because it's always exactly. changing its tactics. That's, that's wonderful. Yeah. Exactly, Chris. Exactly. Yeah. This is the wisdom, the intelligence of Mother Nature, yeah. which is using this uh, model of fighting bacteria and so on for millions of years. Yes. So uh, it's, uh, when you use multiple substances and you change the cocktail, the bad bacteria cannot uh, get resistance. It's impossible. Yeah. But, but the pharma industry continues to use this model and to, to manipulate the mind of doctors using one, only one molecule model because there is a reason also, it's a profit-related reason, yeah. to make only one uh, an antibiotic based on one molecule. The profit is huge. It's like you, you invest $1 and you get $1,000. Yeah. So, oh, and, you know, it's a shame that, you know, doctors will swear a Hippocratic oath, uh, but the but, uh, pharmaceutical industry doesn't. Maybe they ought to. Maybe we need a pharma oath. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like this is a great idea. Yeah. And nowadays, uh, many experts in propolis, in apitherapy all over the world, when we meet to conferences, we are saying this. Uh, it is not a good idea to standardize a product according to the substances. We could do it. For example, we can say a good propolis antibacterial should have at least 10% polyphenols. Yeah. Okay? This is doable. Mm -hmm. Okay? But from the practical point of view, from the pharmaceutical point of view, and from the medical point of view, and from the patient point of view, the patient is not interested if it's cinnamic acid or cafe acid or benzoic acid or what. He has no clue and no interest to know yeah. what are the substances inside. He wants to be healed. Mm -hmm. So the, the new idea in standardization is to standardize the product according to its properties. For example, I have a patient with COVID-19. Mm -hmm. I, I take that, let's say, let's suppose that you can get the virus multiplied. And then you can put uh, the propolis from uh, UK, from London, or a propolis from Birmingham. Right. And then you put in laboratory like they do in microbiology. Mm -hmm. And they will see this propolis from Birmingham can destroy better the virus or the bacteria as the propolis from uh, UK. It's yeah. what is made now in antibiogram. So if you standardize according to the effect, to the property, then it's, it's perfect. It's doable and it's more intelligent. Yeah, so, it's, so it, both of the propolis um, sources, they both work, but one is just better. 
Yes, yeah. can be better, and it doesn't matter the substance, the composition, um, uh, in the sense that oh, this propolis has less flavonoid X mm-hmm. than the other one yeah, because yeah. the other one which has less flavonoid will have other substances in higher amount. Sure, sure. And the final effect is antibacterial. And I give you this study from uh, Bulgaria from Professor Bankova. She made an analysis. She's the leader uh, in propolis research biochemistry in the world. Mm-hmm. She's the best, best, best. By the way, it will be a very good idea to interview okay, her. Okay, thank you. Yes, and she analyzed propolis from many different countries. Uh, Europe, from Cuba, from Brazil, from Australia, from mm-hmm. all countries. And he looked at the beginning to the composition. And she saw, for example, that Brazilian green propolis has very few amount of flavonoids, mm-hmm. 1 or 2%, mm-hmm. but has the same antibacterial power is European propolis, which has 10% uh, flavonoids. Okay? So how come? Uh, Because the logic would say, oh, less flavonoids, less antibacterial power. But not because there are other substances in this kind of propolis which protects. And uh, the idea is to start from the very beginning. To start from the very beginning, the thinking is to start from the mind, uh, in, uh, how do you call this in <laughs> clever? Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, from uh, you are a poplar. Let's say you are a poplar in Brazil, yeah. or you are a, a poplar in uh, UK, yeah. and you are attacked by viruses, by bacteria. Uh-huh. So for you, it does not matter. It is not important what substances will destroy the bacteria or the virus. For you, the final goal is to destroy the bacteria. So if you do use you use other cocktails, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you have the final uh, effect, which is destroying the bad uh, bugs. Then it's okay. Yeah, and perhaps the tree, perhaps the poplar tree, will will evolve according to the bugs around it. Of course, and and there's a there's a dynamic equilibrium between what what bugs are are, are a threat and and what the trees will be produ- and the balance of ratio of chemicals and things that the trees produce. Right, right. You are right. It's uh, the, 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 the trees, the plants are adapting to their environment. And one very good example here, a short example. In Argentina, they saw that the poplars from the mountains, where it's more ultraviolet, more radiation, mm-hmm. because it's less air, it's higher in the mountain, yeah. they make much more flavonoids than the same poplar species, but at the level of the sea, sea level. Uh-huh. Yeah, because uh, the sea level is less amount, less concentration of ultraviolets. Yeah. Because the ultraviolets are blocked by the air uh, from uh, above, step by step, of course. by the molecules from the air. But yeah. in the mountains, like 3,000 meters or 2,000 meters, uh, yeah. So the plants adapt, as you yeah. say, very well. So if you want a radio protective propolis, you need to go somewhere high up to get it. Right, 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 <laughs> okay. exactly. And of course, exactly. apitherapy is not just propolis. It's, I mean, would it be fair to say every single thing that you can find in a beehive has been yes. used as a medicine, hasn't it? Everything. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and in this sense, it's, it's a bit, let's say, a small mistake of etymology. So uh, with apitherapy, we understand the use of all bee products. Mm-hmm. And I, I will name it the, the main of them. It's honey, honeydew honey, propolis, beeswax, Beehive Air, it's a new product for about 20 years. Then we have Royal Jelly, Apilarnil, drone larvae. Then bee pollen, bee bread, and bee venom. And there are other secondary products. For example, uh, even the zoom of the bees. Oh, yes, yes. I've seen that recently, yeah. In uh, yes. an article from Slovenia, how they're using it to treat uh, you know, depression and, uh, and uh, stress and, and just listening. Yes, listening and to the it's also another use. 
Yeah. Yes, uh, they, they started in Saudi Arabia to treat people with hypoacusia, uh, hearing loss, yeah. okay. like ah. di- diminishing their hearing. Yes, oh, yes. What did you say? Sorry. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. 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 Yes. That, yes. That's quite, you know, I'd like to add one secondary product uh, would be mead. And methaglin, uh, yes. especially. Yeah, right. This is a processed uh, product, so which comes from the yeah. product itself. But if you go like this, there are uh, much more. When you yeah, make the so combinations many. or fermentations, so yes. You can name also honey uh, vinegar here. And uh, yes, there are many, many. Good excuse for drinking mead, Chris. Oh, you never need an excuse either. It can be, a, it can be just a tonic, can't it? A pro- prophylactic tactic, if you like. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Stefan... Uh, what what are the the current challenges in apitherapy? What are you? I mean, what are you focusing on at the moment? And and obviously, COVID nineteen is a, is a is a big concern. And but uh, just your work, you've mentioned some things on bee venom and Lyme's disease and COVID and a few other things. But, but so, I mean, of, of course, you're, you're there was going to be a you are you are the general secretary of the International Federation of Apitherapists, and you were going to have a a, a big conference this year, but you know, that didn't happen. And, uh, but I was just wondering, you know, what were you, go- what were you all going to get together and, and discuss, and what, what is it that's, uh, that's your main focus at the moment? Um, the, the one, one of the main focuses in the moment is to, to gather all the people from many, many countries on the same level, let's say, so to unite them, to strengthen them, uh, to gather knowledge from all of them. And we made several groups. Uh, like this in WhatsApp, in Facebook, in Internet, email lists and so on. And uh, we invite them uh, to conferences. It was recently one very good conference uh, done in uh, Poland. And we'll have another one in Romania in uh, November 2022. And another one, the International Federation will be in December, hopefully 2 to 4 December. So uh, this is the, the idea to, to get knowledge from all these people, especially, as you said, against COVID-19. And um, the beauty is that um, many people from many different countries, they confirm that the B products are very good for immune system and antiviral. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, by the way, here in Romania, about 500 doctors which are already licensed, certified, in AP therapy, and uh, I, I get the, the feedback from many of them. Uh, yes, our patients with COVID-19, when they get the B products, they get much faster healed. And by the way, uh, no one from our AP therapy associations, and there are many AP therapy associations all over the world, yeah. and there is even one case of a person who died of COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. I saw, yeah. I saw a, a Chinese beekeeping association in Hubei province made a survey back in April yes. and, uh, and March and, and they had response from 5,115 beekeepers 700, yes. 700 of them in Wuhan you know not the, necessarily the city all of them but and then some of them working apitherapists and, uh, and they surveyed them to see if they had any symptoms of COVID-19 and not one of them not one of them and some of them were yes. working apitherapists just like yourself with clients with COVID-19 and, and, uh, and, and yes uh, so that's a uh, that's unfortunately that sparked off some vivisection on some poor animals and bee venom therapy, which is a great shame. And uh, because uh, I don't know, as you said earlier, I mean, if as a, you know, uh, a, a, if I was a consumer of apitherapy, and I just got to treat myself and the family and, and friends, then um, I'm, I'm only interested in the fact that it works. Yes. And I don't need yes. to, I don't need to know 
how it works on a monkey or a mouse yeah. mouse or something and and, and uh, but if you're if you're developing developing a product i don't know what are your thoughts on on vivisection and and apitherapy and all that kind of stuff is that something you think is really necessary not anymore yeah not anymore uh, when you look to this literature which started uh, like scientific articles the, the it was an explosion after the second world war mm-hmm. so the russians especially made a lot of studies on propolis on honey and so on and so on and then if you look to all these studies which have been done on cells on tissues on animals it's more than enough like i, I can give you but uh, in one minute by email uh, 200 studies which proves that propolis is antibacterial yeah so yeah. I do not need another study, study number 201, mm-hmm. to say the same thing. So uh, now it's uh, the focus should be more on how to establish the best treatment protocols, like um, what would be the best doses for this person, uh, especially this person, which is individualized medicine or integrative medicine, mm-hmm. but individualized. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's really good to hear, isn't it? That the, we know that it works, and there's so if you you don't need to go and test on an animal because all the all the evidence is already there. Yes, yes, and there are from the practical point of view, there are so easy methods. Uh, let's let's say somebody has COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. uh, has the first symptoms. I'll give him or her the B products. Together, I, I will change the diet, more vegetarian diet, because more alkaline diet mm-hmm. helps better. And I will improve the blood flow. I will increase the, the, the heat in the body. So because uh, like fever, creating fever, helping the fever. Yeah. And by the way, diminishing the fever is a huge mistake. And uh, wh- once I have these things in place, yeah. I look to the patient and I see what is the evolution of his or her symptoms. And if my protocol is good, the patient will feel better. So I do not need uh, this analysis from here, from yeah, here. Yeah. When the patient tells me already I, I, feel, I breathe better, my oxygen level, the laboratory says higher, and so on and so on. So I can, in a couple of hours or maximum one, two days, I can know if a, a treatment is good or not. Great. And it's a, so it's a case-by-case study. That's something I really appreciate about your work. Is there's such a, a kind of human sort of, doctor patient sort of relationship that you you sort of develop and study the whole you know i mean it's a bit of a, a overused word isn't it but this is a holistic view yes. of of someone's yes. diet and lifestyle and all those kind of things and, and what's right. contributing to that that disease and dis- right. dis-ease right. In the person right and uh, let me t- uh, confirm you what you say now uh, there is a huge impact of the emotions, of the negative emotions on the immune system. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, there are books like this, uh, treatise of uh, psychoneuroimmunology, and they confirm that once you are depressed, you are sad, you are melancholic, mm-hmm. or you have fear, your immune system goes boom, down, 10-20% of its normal power. And um, it's very logical. I, I give you a very, very short explanation. When I am depressed, I'm melancholic because I must stay in my home. I'm, let's say I'm an old person. People cannot visit mm-hmm. me. So this social isolation, when I am depressed, I simply breathe slower. Like, like this, I'm crying and so on. And I breathe less as normal in a minute. Mm-hmm. So as a result, I have less oxygen per minute. Less oxygen means lower immune system. Yeah. Because the white blood cells 
cannot function if they do not have enough oxygen. They need huge amounts of oxygen, mm -hmm. huge amounts of glucose, and huge amounts of antioxidants. And the antioxidants cannot be taken, but only from natural foods, from natural products, not from chemistry. You yeah. cannot make antioxidants from chemistry. Which makes me think of pollen. Bee pollen is such good nutrition, isn't it? And, and you use it a lot in your work. And, and it's a, yes. again, it's a, it's a complex, intelligent medicine. So good for so many things. Do you want to talk a bit about bee pollen? Yes, yes, yes. It's, uh, bee pollen has multiple different substances. For example, it has antioxidants, which are water-soluble and fat-soluble. Mm -hmm. And they have, which means that there is a discovery by an American scientist. He saw that the antioxidants, let's say vitamin C, vitamin E, beta-carotene, uh, glutamate, and so on and so on and so on, mm -hmm. they cooperate together. Yeah. Once one antioxidant, let's say vitamin C, is uh, weakened uh, in its power, it okay. comes the flavonoid, the polyphenol, and it helps, and vice versa. Okay. So it's a good idea to have a cocktail of all antioxidants, not only vitamin C, but to have all the other ones, mm -hmm. because they are working together to fight the free radicals. Yeah. Okay. And pollen has all these kind of antioxidants, Correct. and also it has all the amino acids, and the amino acids, essential amino acids, are needed to make the antibodies. Antibodies, the, the lymphocytes which are making the antibodies, they need amino acids. Yeah. So, and there are many other substances inside minerals. Also, the immune system needs large amounts of minerals mm -hmm. to make the weapons when they phagocytize, when they destroy the, the bacteria and the virus. And the last thing I already mentioned before, uh, quickly, uh, this is huge, hugely important. And also in the case of COVID-19, mm -hmm. when a white blood cell... It's a virus. Yeah. It creates inside to destroy the virus. Mm -hmm. It creates a lot of free radicals. Mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting phenomenon. It uses enzymes to kill the virus, to, to yeah. cut it, yeah. but also free radicals, which are like bullets, like, like billions of small bullets, very, very small ones, to destroy the virus faster. But, so, but the same free radicals, if they escape outside of the white blood cell, they'll do damage. It's imagine like a, a soldier which has this weapon, fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If he cannot control the weapon, it will destroy other soldiers around yeah. from its own team. Mm -hmm. So the white blood cells, in order to keep under control these bullets, micro bullets, these free yeah. radicals, they use antioxidants. Mm -hmm. And if you do not give in a diet enough antioxidants, enough fruits, vegetables, enough bee products, mm -hmm. you are low on antioxidants. And then you'll die or you'll have a very poor immune system. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, I, I, and just another thing, I'm, I was very happy when I saw finally after nine months of COVID-19, I saw uh, Dr. Fauci, Anthony Fauci from United States. Mm -hmm. Finally, after six, seven, eight months, he acknowledged that vitamin D is good <laughs> for the immune system, yeah. that he's taking a vitamin D after six, seven, eight months. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. Uh, the, the scientists, they said, said from the very beginning, we need antioxidants, we need vitamin C, we need magnesium, zinc, and so on and so on. Mm -hmm. But they never said such a thing. On the contrary, they said, no, it's stupid, it's, uh, it's not uh, uh, scientifically proven, uh, don't take it, it's dangerous to take propolis, uh, la, 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 la. which was a, a huge mistake. Many, many thousands of people could have been saved if they would have go to be products. Are enough other countries picking up on what you're saying uh, regarding bee products and looking to those those products to benefit patients? 
Yeah, they start to be more and more interested, including the World Health Organization. They said that uh, complementary therapies should be used in the fight of COVID-19. So, uh, and uh, in some countries like in Mexico, uh, at governmental level, they started to promote propolis for uh, as a as a fight as a as a core remedy in the fight of uh, this COVID-19. China, from the very beginning, they used medicinal plants. They have very good treatment protocols, extremely detailed. Like for this symptom, you need this herb. For this symptom, you need this herb, and so on and so on. Uh, India also has Ayurveda, but we Western people we are slower in in acknowledging uh, the power of nature. Is, is that because we've become too connect too tied into the farmer? Uh, yes, uh, industry and uh, I mean so. Yes, so the confidence in in these natural products has been yes. suppressed. Yes, it's it's very very bad. And uh, everything what said the the governments from all over the world all these months was wait for the vaccine, wait for the vaccine, wait the vaccine is the solution, vaccine is the solution. Yeah. But it's uh, it's uh, at least from one point of view, it's a it's a big mistake. Because the vaccine, even if it's, let's say, perfect, it has no adverse reactions. It has no other chemicals inside which are dangerous or other things which are dangerous. Let's say it's a good, well-done vaccine. <laughs> the vaccine ca cannot, cannot work in the body if the immune system is weak. Cannot work. Simply mm -hmm. cannot work. Because you get this information, this virus which is weakened, mm -hmm. you give it to the body, but if the body is weak cannot take this information and cannot start making antibodies. To make antibodies, you need hundreds of different things. Perfect nutrients, perfect mm -hmm. relaxation, no bad emotions, and so on and so on. To make these lymphocytes and all the immune system cells to work together. But if the immune system from the beginning is low because of depression and so on and so on, you will not have a, an effective vaccine. So it's a waste of time. And it's uh, thousands of people are dying because of this. Mm -hmm. Instead of using like the knowledge of Mother Nature, which uses hundreds of different methods to fight the enemies, we are using just one vaccine, vaccine, mm -hmm. vaccine. It's yes, that's a, such a shame, isn't it? But uh, Stefan, you aren't, you know, and you're teaching people not to, and you're teaching me um, how to become an apotherapist. And I would like to guide people towards you. You know, this is why one of the reasons I've invited you to come and speak on this podcast. And you have a brilliant, brilliant website called apotherapy.com with such, you know, with all of the research and the papers that you've mentioned, they're all listed there. You have the bibliographies and bibliographies, you can reel through pages and pages of it. So, you know, if you are a medical professional and you want to look at that, that's all there for you to look at. But if you're seeking apotherapy as well, you know, and you um, want to receive some apotherapy, then that's all there too. And, and uh, so... There are there other ways. I mean, of course, come and see you. Come and look at your work, and perhaps train with you if people, if people are interested. And are there is there anywhere else you would guide someone who's interested in apotherapy uh, to go and you know as their first port of call, or other other books, or other people, perhaps? Yes. Now, now the best way to communicate with the people uh, is, of course, by Zoom, <laughs> by internet, yeah. uh, by online uh, communication. And I have an Apitherapy Internet course, uh, which is already with 100 lessons, as you know. 
so that they can join the online course and they can contact me by Zoom, by WhatsApp, anytime they, they need. I also give uh, consultations for some patients. I select the patients, they send me their data, their medical data and so on. And I, I give the consultation via Zoom. So teleconsultation. Of course, it's not perfect because you need to see the person face to face. But there are some methods. I'm asking them to send me photos of uh, various parts of their body. And then I can make a kind of Chinese diagnosis. <laughs> and then I can give some advices. That's great. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, there's something about, there's something question I wanted to, have you, and you kind of spoken about it already, but there's something about bee medicines and that, that has fascinated me. And it's how they can be so modulatory and regulatory upon the human body and, and the body of and animals and pets and, and plants it's just good for the world aren't they bee medicines and and that's uh that's a real intelligent clever way that these these substances work so, so that module so if we're overactive they'll bring us into a, a healthy way of being and if some part of our body is underactive then they can kind of inspire it to be working at that kind of sweet spot Yes, yes. Uh, let me give you a nice uh, uh, view from outside. Uh, let, let's imagine that some, somebody up, up there, let's say it's a god or angels or uh, extraterrestrial intelligence, whatever you'll call it, will say, okay, we need a living being, we should help the life on this planet. And uh, this living being should uh, be able to pollinate hundreds, thousands of different plants, flowers, to create fruits, to create vegetables, to create seeds, to help other thousands of living beings around. So, because, and this living being is, of course, the bee, the, the Apis mellifera, uh, especially. And now, the second thing would be, okay, we'll make the bee in such a way to be able to do the pollination. What will need the bee to do all this work? What kind of substances? And then the, the intelligence will say, okay, it needs uh, water, it needs uh, antioxidants, it needs vitamins, it needs enzymes, amino acids, and so on and so on. Let's give her plenty of these substances. So if you look to the life, the evolution of the bees on, the, on our planet, they are here for more than 50, 60 million years. Some people say over 100 million years. And they survive through all these cat uh, weather-related cataclysms. And they are uh, still here on our planet because they use these substances. Now, these substances, they are universal. The same substance which helps the bee to have energy like glucose and fructose. It helps also human beings. It helps also animals, birds, any other living being. So they are, uh, we, we, we say through this substance, universal kind of substances, ubiquitary substances. So this is one of the explanations why apitherapy is working so well in many cases. Thank you. Thank you. So we owe so much, don't we, to the honeybee? Not just us, but as you mentioned, animals and plants. If honeybees weren't there, it would be such a different world. I think it, what's interesting is, is you know, a lot of people think along the pollination side of things that if we didn't have the honeybee, we'd lose our pollination services, as they call it. Uh, but you've just emphasised just really eloquently and amazingly how... It's not as it's not just that it's it's the health of uh, the human race as well. You know. Yes, yes, yes. And there is a, um, a like bilateral kind of action, very interesting. 
So the bees are pollinating the plants, they make the bee products and they help the health of the human being. But now every human being which is taking a teaspoon of honey or a teaspoon of bee pollen will make happy the beekeeper because it buys the product from the beekeeper. And the happy beekeeper will make happy bee colonies. <laughs> and the happy bee colonies will make happy plants. Okay? So it's, it's yeah. a kind so of a win-win situation. Together. Yeah. Yes. 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 So it's not only that you get better, you get rid of your COVID-19 or any kind of disease, but you help indirectly thousands of bees and thousands mm -hmm. of other uh, living beings. And, and when people are searching for bee products, or something, often people will ask me, oh, where's the most ethical place or the best place to buy or source some bee medicines and bee products? I'll say to them, well, get to know your local beekeeper, you know, get to know, and, and then you can assess whether you like them and their practices. But I'll say that the better than that would be to become the beekeeper. And then you'll have that own personal relationship with your bees and that kind of nourishing medicine cabinet in your garden that's not just good for you and your family, but good for your garden, everyone else's garden. And, the, you know, and sometimes the colony will um, disperse or swarm off and then it'll be good for, for the earwigs and the wasps. And so whatever bees do, wherever they go, they leave this kind of trail of, of, of blessings behind them. And it's no wonder that, 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 that you've alluded to that, that we've, we've seen them as something being so sacred, you know, sweetness and light, the lands of milk and honey. But, you know, it's not just, you know, there's darkness and venom in there as well, but that's good for us too. You know, so, oh, how can, how can we thank them enough? And, uh, what you know? So I mean, that's why we're here, isn't it, Patrick? To try and to try and raise some some greater thanks and gratitude for the honeybee through these podcasts. So thank you, Stefan, yeah. for for being here and for coming and sharing just a little bit of your wisdom. And you know, this is the tip of the iceberg. If you've ever um, heard of Stefan, then please do get in touch with him. He's just uh, he is he is Mister Apotherapy as far as far as I'm concerned. And so thanks, Stefan, for and and. Um, Thanks for being patient with me as well. I'm I'm your kind of humble student and taking years to complete your course, but I would recommend it to anybody. You know, he's he's uh, he's done it in in such a such a good way. It's really accessible and and great to be to be learning from you. Thank you very much too. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you, Stefan. Ah, oh, just wonderful listening to Stefan. He is Mr. Apotherapy, and thank Goddess for the honeybee. You know, if there, whatever your belief system or science or sorcery, you know, the, the, the bee is just such a boon to this planet, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, us. And if I think they were in recent, in maybe this year or last year, weren't they assessed as like the most important creature on the planet or something like that i've seen that in social media posts or something yeah <laughs> maybe it's just, well maybe someone's, just, maybe someone's just made it up and it went viral <laughs> but you know it's, it, no, it but it's, right, we we've, we've got this ongoing relationship with the bee haven't we and and i've the you know, realization that the bee is you know responsible for you know a huge percentage of uh pollination and without without the the um the humble bumble uh, the humble honeybee uh, and, and the bumblebee, and right, the bumblebee, and all the other, and and all the other pollinators as well. But um, it has a huge, crucial role to play in um, in pollinating plants, but also in. Um, I, I mean, it's been one of the probably the most studied um, animals, wouldn't you say? In, in in across biology, there seem to be so yes, many books yeah, written, been, so yeah. many books written about You're right, yeah. the honeybee, and so much, so much to learn, and. Um, yeah, and, and you know, when you mentioned the bumblebee, and of course, 
there were places in the world where honeybees weren't before people took them there. But they they did have solitary bees or stingless bees or other bees that the, the indigenous cultures did harvest some medicine from. Yeah. So even even places you know like Australia and uh, South America and other places. And so this is bees in general have that that medicine that you don't need a lot of you don't need you know in historically we haven't needed to kind of mass produce honey like we do today and uh but it's always been revered as this sacred substance that is that is just brings goodness and blessings and healing into our lives and and of course that's again why it was often offered to to the gods and goddesses and into spirit and because you kind of the the way sacrifice works is you give away something you give you know your best in your prayer you know and and then yeah, yeah. Than you, well, you know, otherwise the, the gods would be offended wouldn't they if you gave gave your worst i mean i think you can it's interesting you say that thing about the value of of, of honey because i think that uh, especially in this country we've um we've tended to start to see honey as a as a sort of un, un, you know unlimited resource that um we can spread on toast and it, it it is actually eaten in quite large quantities which is which is great but on the other hand it, you know you lose your connection with the fact that it is quite a, quite a sacred uh product the bee, the bees put a lot of effort into into making honey um it's a healthy mm-hmm. product for them and um and and uh, you know in some countries um, it's really seen as a as a complete delicacy, isn't it? Yeah, I think we could say that about so many things. You know, a cup of tea used to be a ceremony. Just walking into into your front door used to be more sacred than it is today. Didn't it? You know, just you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the, the clothes that we wear and everything we do. I, don't know, the, 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 I think that's just that's the true. way we've evolved and the where we're at at this current moment. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's certainly good to to have some kind of reenchantment and 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 review of every moment and substance and and interaction with the world being being something a bit more special and a bit more sacred and a bit more appreciated with more gratitude and reverence. One needs to remind ourselves why why honey you know is is, is being made in the hive because essentially it's to sustain the colony isn't it and in a, in, a, in a healthy way um and uh, and also all the other hive products because this insect has to overwinter um in large in large numbers and uh, yeah and and therefore it's for that reason that it's, it's developed all these products and systems and um and chemical chemical formulae you know to uh, to sustain itself yeah yeah and, and, and there, there are many different styles of honeybee even aren't there that, that, that do that in different ways and have different behaviors according to their the climate that they're in and uh, what predators or, or weather and all those different different things that they experience what a great creature this is why we're doing this podcast isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well it, it is it is limitless yeah yeah but it's it's great to talk to stefan and and um just to hear i was just really interested in in his uh breadth of knowledge and uh, i mean if you look at some of the things there's absolutely masses of stuff that put stefan's put on youtube which is all freely available and um, we'll put lots of links on the website um pointing you towards uh interviews and things like that i mean i'm just looking at one now on youtube he's 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 been speaking for two and a half hours you know on the subject and it's it's quite incredible 
So do check out Stefan. Stefan's amazing. Long live Stefan. And much prosperity and, uh, and pro- prolific work uh, still to come. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do, do, do you get in touch with Stefan? Yep. When do you think you'll finish your course, Chris? Well, I'm at, a, I'm at quite an intense place where I've got this whole other module, but the last module I have to kind of like, have to like almost memorise every single um, bit of the last module. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and have that really ingrained into my, into my, uh, my thoughts and words before I kind of plough into the next bit. And that, and that's, uh, which is great, you know, I'm really enjoying sort of, you know, doing that sort of sitting down and just repeating and learning and, and, and absorbing and digesting everything. And I've got to really have that sort of under my belt before I move to the next bit. Yeah. So it depends. It depends. Yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of, uh, could be another few years yet before I've completed the, the whole course. I look forward to hearing more about it. But um, uh, in the next, next episode, um, we're talking to Rick Smith. Yes, Shining Fox. Yeah, also known as Shining Fox. Yeah, I mean he he's he's going to be great. I really um, urge you to uh, to listen to the next episode. It's um it's going to be wonderful because uh, Rick makes uh, Native American flutes, uh, and he's but he's been inspired by by the bee, um, and he's going to tell us all about how he did. He make a um, a flute inspired by by the honeybee. Yes. Yeah. He came over to, I think it was his birthday, and his girlfriend bought him a, uh, an experience in, in the apitherapy house with the beehive air and the bees uh. and the sound of the bees. Because you don't just get the air, you, you lie down and you hear the bees and you get these micro-vibrations and the, you see bees out the window. and oh, It's a really sort of immersive experience. And he, he went into some meditation in there and sort of came out of it inspired. And he, and he just made a flute uh, dedicated to to that experience and, and and the guidance that he got through his meditation, and then uh, he came back uh, to play his flute with the bees, and then filmed it. And it's just it's just a wonderful story and a wonderful guy, and and he's doing some really interesting things. No, it's going to be great. Um, anyone would think that we've um, we've got this really uh, you know planned flow through uh, <laughs> from apotherapy to a a, a man. Um, who's been influenced into into making his own flute? It's all uh, yeah, it's all totally planned, isn't it? <laughs> um, it's out of our hands, Patrick. <laughs> but Rick Rick sounds amazing. I'm really looking forward to talking to him. So uh, tune in next to the next episode of Living Being, and you can subscribe to us or um, tweet about us or find us on Facebook. Uh, lots of information on the website at uh, www.livingbeing.com. Uh, see you next time. Bye. Cheerio. Bye bye.